and welcome to the Christian Formation Podcast. I'm Raven, and I'm here with Andrew, one of our pastors at Providence Church. The goal of this podcast is to form disciples to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Today, we're discussing Titus. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. Guys, Andrew charged me with the responsibility to share a story with you all. Can I tell you first, when you just said that I charged you, I literally got the image oh, of like, like physically like charging after somebody. <laughs> I did not know where you were going with that. As soon okay. as you said charged, I thought you were going to think that I was like charged, like making an accusation or you were making oh, an accusation against me. Oh yeah, I didn't think that me. way either. So many meanings. But I know. I told you to tell a story. Okay. Um, there once was a squirrel named Squidward. <laughs> Just kidding. What are you Just talking kidding. about? I don't know. Okay. Do you ever tell stories to your kids at night? Like make up a story? Or not often, like no. We really? read. So like we'll read books, but I, yeah, it's not often that they ask for us to like make up a story. Oh, wait. So squirrel. they have asked that before. Maybe Jet did a long time ago, but it's not often. He just wants to read books. Gotcha. Well, and we'll just talk. But yeah, he doesn't ever ask for like a story. See, growing up, we would always, we'd read books, but then we would have our mom, or maybe she just started this, but she would make up a story about a little squirrel named Teddy. And he would play in the backyard with Raven, Avery, and Lyndon. Isn't that That's cute? amazing. Yes. And you loved it. Oh my word, I loved it. But we loved it so much that our poor babysitters would come over and we would say, okay, make up a fun story for us. And Were you rude to the babysitter? They couldn't. Oh. I don't know if I was rude, but we were so sad. Were bad? Oh. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple <laughs> times where we were like, you have to make up a new story. That wasn't good. It has to be funny. <laughs> That's so harsh i know but we just loved it It just created you know such creativity do younger kids ask or is that something that comes like as they get older i mean i think it was something where i don't think we asked i think my mom just Just started started. doing it yeah and then we started asking for it because they were so fun and we loved them but that's not what we're talking about today today we are discussing the book of titus and fun fact when i looked up titus online nothing biblical came up I was shocked. Yeah, there are bands. There are different applications called Titus. I think it's just a cool name people love. What was the best application that you found? Honestly, I was just like, I got to get out of here. I got to figure out what I'm doing. So you didn't listen I to didn't any really of the music. Look into it. No, the they looked like heavy metal bands, and I was like, this is not I my can vibe. See that. Yeah, you don't listen to heavy metal. No, do you? Surprise, surprise. LOL. Thanks. Do you? No. Yeah. See on brand. Anyway, so when I was looking this up, it took a little bit, but once I did find a few things, I realized the book is so short, you can read through it so quickly and pretty much grasp what it's talking about within the first even couple of verses of chapter one. Yeah. So I think with all these books that we're going through, we try to point out, here's maybe a place or the verses that help us have a picture of exactly what the book is about. You just said that comes pretty early. Where do you see that in Titus? Yeah, I feel like you see it pretty quickly in chapter one, verse five. Paul says, the reason I left you, Titus, in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So, I mean, it's explicit, but it's also not kind of explicit. Basically, Paul is writing to Titus who he has had a really close relationship with and who he trusts. And he has left him in Crete, which is an island off Greece. 
Okay, so is Titus like the pastor in this region or this church? Yeah. At first I would say, oh no, he's just someone that is coming in, teaching, and then leaving. But one, this is known as a pastoral epistle and is teaching pastors how to teach their congregation. So I would say, yes, he's probably a pastor. He's at least like doing the function. Like he's putting the church in order. Like you mentioned in verse five, he's trying to put elders in place in the church. And then the rest of the book is essentially Paul telling Titus how to train and teach the Christians in this area to live. So I don't think Titus is the one who like planted or started the church, right? Because he just was sent by Paul Mm -hmm. to do this work, but it is essentially kind of the pastoral work of teaching and training the church to do what God has called the church to be and do. Right. And what I thought was really interesting about Titus specifically, the man, not the book, is that there's a lot of references. (laughs) What? It's kind of confusing. You kind of have to say, hey, like the actual guy. But what's interesting about him is that he's mentioned other places in the New Testament. And I thought that was cool because it gives you more background in depth and connects the scriptures, which is fun. Like where? Where do we see him? So in 2 Corinthians 8, 23, it says that Titus was Paul's partner and coworker. And it also says in Galatians 2, verse three, that Titus didn't need to be circumcised. And so it kind of gives light into his Greek Gentile background and also is really pertinent to what's happening here because there are religious leaders that are saying, hey, you have to be circumcised. Hey, you have to do certain things in order to be saved. And also in verse four of Titus, you can tell Paul's relationship to Titus as Paul says, my true son in our common faith. What does that mean when he says, my true son? That's not like a biological thing, right? Right. It's not biological. I think it really just shows Paul's love for Titus as his mentee, as he's mentoring him in the faith. So he's been mentor to Titus. Mm -hmm. Titus is growing in his partnership in the gospel ministry that Paul's doing. And now Paul sends him or leaves him in Crete in order to kind of put the church together a little bit. Cause mm-hmm. it sounds like there's some converts, also some false teachers and maybe a bit of chaos. And so he's giving Titus all of this instruction on essentially how do you form this church now of all these different Christians who are hearing some false teaching. Yeah, exactly. In chapter three, verse eight, it says, and I want to stress these things to you so that those who have trusted in God may be careful to devote themselves to doing what is good. And then it's also talking about teaching and things like that. But I think this book really is aimed at, one, instructing pastors in the way that they should be teaching within the church. But two, the idea that godliness and making sure that we're living out our faith is of the utmost importance. It can't just be something we say and then not have our actions line up with. So why do you think Paul, in the very beginning of this letter, encourages him right away to set up or appoint elders in this place? Like, Why is that his initial recommendation? Because we talked about in 1 Timothy, the need for elders and the qualifications for elders. We had a conversation then Now it appears as if you have this church that maybe doesn't have elders. Why is that so important for Paul 
to encourage Titus to do that right away. Well, what I think is interesting about that, not answering your question right away, but what I think is interesting about that is in first and second Timothy, doesn't it say to be slow in order to appoint elders in the faith? Yeah, like to be slow in laying on hands and kind of commissioning for that type of role. Right. So it is interesting that Paul says, hey, right away, appoint elders. And although maybe that's, this is of great importance and not like do this tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Or like, hey, this is really important, appoint elders. But I think that probably does take some time, maybe. Right. Yeah, maybe. I think the reason that he tells him to appoint elders is because one, the false teachers are lying, they're evil, they're smearing the name of God as they are living alternatively to the faith that they are proclaiming to have. And also it says in verse eight or nine that people need to have sound doctrine and they're not having sound doctrine because it's becoming kind of a joke. It's like, well, these leaders aren't actually following what they're saying, and so we can't trust them. And so Paul's telling Titus, hey, you need to actually have leaders who can model what we're teaching and what you're saying. Why does that feel that important to have leaders who do that instead of just immediately saying, hey, make sure all your Christians are living this way? Why does he first go, make sure you have leaders to rebuke false teaching, teach sound doctrine, and model this? I have a couple things that come to mind. I haven't thought about this before, so we'll see how this goes. But I'm reading through Leviticus right now, and it talks about how the priest or the high priest has to be holy and blameless because he is the picture of Christ or he is the picture of God to the people. And so he has this high, high calling. And that, in my mind, links with chapter one, verse seven, where it says, since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness. And then it keeps going, talking about how he should be self-controlled, upright, and hold fast to the trustworthy message so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. So it's basically saying, hey, you are leaders on behalf of the church, on behalf of God. People see you in order to see a relationship with God and what that looks like. So I think it's important because those people have a high calling and a high charge to lead people in the way that they act, in the way that they operate, because they really are pointing toward Christ and who he is. And if they fall, kind of like what you talked about on the first Timothy episode we recorded, if they fall, that causes a lot of problems because God has designed it so that we can trust our leaders so that they can point to him. But when they fail, that can kind of mar our view of God. Okay. So let me just make sure I'm grasping all this. So we're saying that in Crete, there's Christians, you know, that have come to faith. They're there now. There's also false teachers that are both teaching wrong doctrine as well as living as brutes or whatever Mm -hmm. Paul said, right? So there's both the life and the teaching that's off. And so Paul tells Titus, go in and appoint leaders who will actually teach and model sound faith and sound Mm -hmm. doctrine and the lifestyle of Christ. And that is then kind of the rest of Titus is how to do that or what they should be either modeling or teaching. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it talks 
about how they should teach older men, older women, young men, slaves. It's essentially how pastors can change that or Titus can actually teach people in that context. So what do you think is helpful for the average church member Christian as they come to Titus and maybe they're not an elder. And so they're maybe not the direct audience because they're not maybe in Titus's shoes or as he's trying to appoint elders to do these things for just the average Christian. I come to Titus to read it. What should I be looking for or where do I find help in myself gaining application or wisdom from this book? Right. I think of a couple of things. One, you can read this and wonder to yourself, okay, is this what our elders and our pastors look like at our own church? Is this the way that they are teaching the congregation? Is this the way that they are living in the faith? Are they living above reproach? Are they living, as it says in verse 8, hospitably, loving what is good, self-controlled, upright, holy, disciplined, And if they're not praying for them, confronting them, there's just a lot there that I think is really helpful for us to hold our leaders to that standard within the church. Yeah. And I know you said you had a couple things, but let me just say there, I do think that's actually a really pivotal point. I've heard a lot of people say the idea essentially that we shouldn't hold pastors to too high of a bar or put them on a pedestal with like character and theology that they're just like every other Christian. And so you know, we shouldn't expect too much out of them. And while that sentiment is true in some level in that no pastor or elder is perfect, there should be a godly maturity and a theological maturity that is actually a higher bar than mm-hmm. for any Christian. Uh, and so I do think that's what we've seen in First and Second Timothy and in Titus because of what you said. They're the ones who are supposed to be leading everyone else to that. So it's not that they have to be at a place that no one else can get to. It's just that they have to be at a place where they can help other people get there mm-hmm. to maturity and sound doctrine. And part of that is both teaching what is true while also calling out. I mean, that's a big thing in Titus. It's calling out what is not true, yeah. being clear. Or he says a couple times or in a couple different ways, like rebuke sharply, say this mm-hmm. direct, like call these things out clearly and directly. And that is a big piece of that. And to do that, you have to have a level of theological maturity and a godliness about you that you're not calling stuff out that you're just living into yourself. So I do think it's a helpful thing for Christians. It might be a balance, but don't expect elders to be perfect, but also do have high expectations that they would be very mature, godly, and direct in how they teach. Mm -hmm. Totally. And to be quite honest, who wants to follow someone that isn't striving for godliness, holiness, who's just like, I mean, this sounds bad. Uh, This is hard because it sounds weird, but it's like, no one wants to follow someone who's not actually a good leader. Like no one wants to follow someone who looks just like them. Like everyone kind of wants to follow someone that feels like they got it a little bit. Are you saying this right no. now or not? Okay. No, I mean, I, I think just, that's true. But it sounds bad. It does sound weird, but that's leadership. Like you wouldn't follow a leader if you weren't going in their direction or trusting them to take you somewhere. Right. If you were just going to stay where you're at, one, you don't need a leader, or two, if it's just somebody who's doing the exact same thing you are, they can't take you anywhere. Yeah, exactly. It, it is. It's yeah. hard to 
grasp the, I don't know if it's a nuance or balance or something with the don't expect perfection. Like it's right. not like they are so far above you. And maybe it's not, maybe it's not that, maybe it's not like they're above you in some mm-hmm. way, but they're further along than you yeah. and like a maturity level, right. if you could communicate it that way that you do want that. And I think all of us have that even elders, I mean, even Titus, right? So he's charged to now do this in this whole church, but he also has Paul that he's like striving after and has mentored him. And so I don't think it means that anybody has reached the point where you don't ever look to someone else to help you because uh, we all need leaders doing that. But there is a good and healthy expectation that your leaders are trustworthy, safe, that you can, for the most part, believe that they are walking with the Lord, that they're teaching things that are scriptural and sound, and that they're going to help protect you when false teachers do come. Because that is, he mentions in verses 10 through 16 of chapter 1, the issue with false teachers. And in verse 11, he says that these teachers must be silenced because they're upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what ought not be taught. And so he's saying this is actually damaging to people and false teachers are starting to pull them away. And I think we see that a lot in our world today. And so I do think it's important to believe that you can trust your leaders because their authority comes from God placing them in this role and their use of the authoritative word of God. Like that's why they have authority. Yeah. And not only do we see that description of how those leaders should look and how they should act, but we also see the description of how people should respond. And I think it's helpful for us to ask ourselves, are you responding that way? So when it says teach the older men to be worthy of respect, self-controlled, sound in faith, I mean, that's not just something of older men. That's something that all of us can make sure. Oh, are we doing this? Like, are we actually growing in this? Or for older women, not to be slanderers or addicted to too much wine, but to teach what is good. There's just different truths in here that yes, pastors are teaching, but also we have the responsibility to respond and to also live in. Yeah, I do think that is helpful to see all these things that Titus is supposed to teach the church to do of asking yourself, am I living these things out? Again, it's good to see that. Are my leaders following what Paul's encouraging a leader to do? But then am I following the truths in here that hopefully, whether you go to Providence or some other church, hopefully your leaders are also calling you to these types of things because these are the scriptural commands for the churches. And so are we living these things out and are we trying to humbly listen to leaders in whatever capacity, whether that's elders or small group leaders or people that are trying to help point you to Jesus, older men and women in the faith. And are we humbly doing that and walking in godliness in the way that Titus is supposed to be teaching Christians to do? Right. And on that note, just as a final question for people to wrestle with and think through, when we say that there are a lot of good truths for us to follow in here, one of the ones that gets highly debated is the idea for people to be subject to rulers and authorities. It's in chapter three, verse one. What does that mean when our rulers, when we're thinking about rulers on this earth and in our government, what do we do when we see those rulers as quote, bad or unhelpful? Do you want to read the verse mm-hmm. and then yeah. so you can answer it? This is chapter three, verse one. Remind the people to be subject to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready to do whatever is good, to slander no one, 
to be peaceable and considerate, and to show true humility toward all men. And you're asking specifically when we think of, you mentioned government leaders or who else, just leaders in general who are not Not in the church, but not great leaders. Yeah. And they're not in the church, people outside that we would consider to be bad leaders. I think we be subject to them insofar as we can. Yeah. I mean, again, you think about the context is different for us today, specifically when we think about government, because- we are a republic, so we're not a we're not under Caesar, essentially. But when you have these New Testament letters being written, you have supreme leaders over massive amounts of people who are persecuting Christians, killing them, and you have a number of times Paul and Peter and others say, We need to be subject to our leaders. We need to pray for our leaders. We need to honor our leaders. And so it is a little bit different today because we have the ability to vote. We have more say than they would have back then. But I do think that our American sensibilities err so far on the side of stand up for your rights and don't let anybody, mm-hmm. you know, like do something against our constitution and will that I think it's okay for us to be pushed on a little bit to say, while Nero is killing Christians, Paul is saying, honor Nero. And just, I think maybe I can't give a direct answer to that quickly, but I do think that's probably something for us to at least wrestle with. I would encourage Christians, just think about that reality as they are seeing other Christians die at the hand of governmental leaders and still writing, let's honor, pray for, and be subject to these leaders. Just begin to consider what that would actually mean for them. Let me say, I do think that there's lines that can't be crossed. I don't think that we allow leaders to lead us into sin. I mean, that's the main point of Titus. Yeah. Of any formal leader, he's like, hey, don't let them lead you astray. Right. But I also think there is a level of being challenged in what it looks like to honor and serve leaders that do not have our best interest in mind. Totally. And it says in Titus, we're doing that, or in the section about slaves specifically, it talks about doing that so that then the world can see that you are other, that you are a Christian, that you follow Christ, and that you serve a God that's different than their own. And it allows us in many ways to be salt and light or to yeah. resemble a different type of kingdom of life and honor and dignity and value for people that it might be different than the way of the world then or the way of our government today. And it doesn't mean, again, that you have to do everything that government or leaders are telling you to do. It also doesn't mean that you have to fight every single battle for your rights, because I think there is a challenge to say the kingdom is our primary allegiance. And if people are teaching against that in the world, one, I don't think we should be that surprised. That's going to happen. Even people, like Titus says, that claim to be Christians are going to teach and do things that are not of Christ and his kingdom. That just can't surprise us. So even if we have government leaders who say, I'm a Christian, and they do things against the scriptures, yeah. that's part of what Titus is now charged to do mm-hmm. is, hey, teach against that. That's not the way of the kingdom. And so we do have a full allegiance to the kingdom uh, while we do our best to honor and serve and pray for our leaders that may be harmful to us or to others. And we try to set up a little kingdom community 
where we do care for one another and we do love others and we do care for the people around us more than ourselves. Yeah, I think that's good. And I don't think that's easy for us to do if we've grown up in the United States. And also it's just not easy for us to do as humans in general. So I just think it would be helpful to not only pray for our leaders, but also pray for our own hearts that they would be guided by the scripture and guided by the way that God wants us to submit to authorities and also show respect to those around us while honoring him. Heavenly Father, God, I just thank you so much for our leaders here at Providence. I thank you for other Christian leaders that we have that do live above reproach, that have sound teaching, and that are trusting you with their lives. Lord, we pray, would you keep them? Would you continue to allow them to be hospitable, be godly, and to lead people well? God, I pray for us as church congregants and members that, Father, you would allow us to trust those leaders, that, God, we would pray for them, that we would support them. And, Father, in times of despair or confusion, would we reach out to them? Would we correct? Would we be honest? And, God, would we strive together for unity? Lord, I also pray for our nation and our country. Jesus, I pray that you would be with the leaders of our country, that you would allow them to make sound, wise decisions, and that ultimately at the end of the day, they would know you. And God, for us as citizens, I just pray, would we have a humble heart posture that seeks to understand, that seeks to listen, and that seeks to obey your word above anything else. Father, would we Submit to authorities with humble reverence and respect for who you are. And God, would you just lead us in what that looks like as we go forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. The goal of the Christian Formation Podcast is to live all of life with the presence of God. And we do this through conversations about theology, culture, and stories. Please like this, rate it, review it, share it so that it can get out to more people. If you have any questions, email us at formation at providenceomaha.org. We'll see you next week.